Thank you for joining me today to talk food and beverage manufacturing sustainability, my favorite topic. I'm Cher Mirweather, Executive Director of Provision Coalition. We're a national sustainability organization that has had the privilege of working with some remarkable companies on their sustainability journey. These companies have made real and lasting production and operational changes that have positively impacted the environment, their employee culture, and their business profits too. I find these transformational stories truly exciting and inspiring, and I'm pleased to share them with you today. Today I'm here at the beautiful Southbrook Vineyard with Bill Rattlemeyer. Bill and his wife Marilyn are the owners of Southbrook, a 150-acre property with 60 acres of vineyards in the heart of Niagara Lake in Ontario. Thank you, Bill, for taking the time to talk with me today about your passion for sustainable viticulture and organic and biodynamic wine production. Thank you, Cher, and it's wonderful to have your passion here as well. I read that in 2008, Southbrook was the first wine estate in Canada to earn both organic and biodynamic certification for the winery and vineyard. That's an amazing feat, especially when coupled with the design and construction of your LEED Gold Certified Hospitality Pavilion with a tasting room, wine shop, and 200 meter long landscape wall. We thought it was important, the, the organics and biodynamics. Biodynamic is sort of, I used to say organics on steroids, but that's really the wrong message. It's extreme organics, or it's a little bit more in-depth than organics. We did organics as much for social justice. I hate the idea of asking my staff to use chemicals that I don't want to use myself. Whereas biodynamics, we plant, we harvest, we make wine using phases of the moon. The sprays we use in the vineyard are mostly herbal teas. Um, it's all part of a, a canon of agriculture which while it's looked on as being really modern, is actually a throwback to the way we used to do things before we had the, chemi the chemical crutches that we do today. So Bill, tell me about your passion for sustainable production. Where does it come from? Why do you care? I've been a farmer all my life, and I look around at, at what's happened in agriculture. We keep coming up with new ideas. I went to Guelph in the late 1970s. We had new ideas of how we were going to save the world as far as growing crops, and we were going to do really well as, as farmers. And the problem is that every time there's a new advance, whether it's a chemical, whether it's a tractor, whatever, what happens is we produce more and the price comes down. So the, the profits really go not to the farmer himself where it should be going, it goes to the large companies. Uh, Monsanto or, or International Harvester. 1979, I came back to the family farm. It was a dairy farm at the time. I made $4.05 a bushel for corn, and I got $9.98 a bushel for soybeans. I was talking to the, to the farmer who's running the farm at this time, and he was really pleased because he got $10 for soybeans this year. That's from 1979 to 2017. I don't think they're making anywhere near, they're not having that, that wonderful uh, bounce as far as profitability is concerned. So I, there is a problem basically in agriculture. Makes sense. So let's talk about the LEED Gold certification in the pavilion. Um, are there other green initiatives that you've committed to, like uh, the use of sustainable building materials, water management, energy conservation? Uh, talk to me about some of the challenges you've had and the things that have worked really well. Well, one of the things that we don't like to talk about is we don't make any claims unless they're third-party certified. So one of the reasons for doing the lead gold or lead in general is that it's not just we're making a claim of being uh, uh, sustainable. 
it's a claim that's backed up by somebody else. And in fact, until two years ago, we never used the term sustainable as far as Southbrook is concerned. Two years ago, the uh, um, Wine Council of Ontario started to develop a uh, sustainability charter. And last year, it became a third-party certification. You paid somebody to come in and look to make sure the claims that you were making were true. And so now we get to talk about sustainability. So really lead, again, it's a, it's a group of rules which deal with uh, sourcing, uh, in health of the building, health of your staff. There's all sorts of points that are available, some of which you can use, some of which you can't. So for instance, there's a point for locating your business on a, on a bus route. It's not something we have control over. But there's also points for, um, one of the things I'm very proud of is we created a lead point. There was a lead point for using recycled water for irrigation on your landscaping. And we said, well, actually, we're better than that. We don't irrigate on our landscaping. And they agreed. And so that's a lead point as well. But again, by not having um, a marked system, by not having an organization which deals with things like that, it opens it up to people making claims which are spurious at best, and it reduces the value of um, making those claims in the first place. So there's often a, a lot of discussion about the cost of certification and the added administrative burden to a certification system. So for you, it's worked very well in terms of being able to make your claims and... Exactly. One of the problems is, yes, there are, are difficulties and, and LEED has not been as well taken up as, as I would have liked to have seen. The cost of certification is probably sixty-five or $70,000. The cost of implementation was small because in most cases we should have done what we were going to do for LEED anyway. Uh, the problem with LEED is that it's not done in a large enough number of times to drive the price down. But with um, organic certification, for instance, I hear people say, oh, it's way too expensive. I, I talk to people at farmers markets and they tell me, oh, it's fifteen or $20,000 a year to get certified organic. Um, it's actually around 1000 or a touch less. And as long as you can protect it, which is what's happening in Ontario, where we're finally getting the uh, regulations to control the use of the word organic, it then becomes worthwhile. And so even the certification from the Wine Council of Ontario, there's a, a value add there? Uh, we would like to think so. So it's up, there's about 13 wineries at this point. When it was self-registered, uh, there was about 90 wineries that did it. Um, now there's about 13 that have carried through. Two things, we have to create that added value, and the Wine Council is, is to some extent helping us on that. But the other thing is, the cost of doing the certification would come down drastically if 50 people were going to do it as opposed to 13. So it, it, if there is a need to do the certification, the cost of that certification will come down. If there were 5,000 lead buildings being built in, on, in Canada every year, the price would come down to, from $60,000 down to maybe $10,000. Right. Another one of the issues that we often hear from food and beverage processors and manufacturers is regulatory. Do you have that same sort of regulatory challenge in the wine space? We do. In, on, in Canada, 
the Constitution says that there shouldn't be any letter challenge to distribution of legal products across borders. And of course, the Canadian government has, has allowed the shipment of wines from one province to another. Some of the provinces aren't uh, um, doing as good a job, shall we say, of, of coming up to date. At Southbrook, our policy is that we're, our aim is to try and create and foster a relationship with customers. So especially if people have come and visited, uh, visited the winery, heard of the winery, would like to support the winery, we, we've taken the, uh, uh, the stand that we will ship across, across Canada. Wonderful. Let's go back to some of the, the initiatives that you've done, whether that's energy or water. What were some of the biggest challenges that you faced and how did you overcome them? So as far as energy was concerned, one of the big things is that we have ideas, two things. One I would call the boiling frog in that you know you're using too much electricity, but that ranks number 611 on my list of things that I've got to do. So that's, that's one of the problems. And the other is acceptance by the people that you're dealing with that it's, you have ideas that should be looked at building controls and, and things like that with heat settings and, and it's difficult the way our, our business is set up. They're run, you know, the heating controls are run by an engineer who doesn't really think much of, of the suggestions I'm coming up with. We've had the wonderful opportunity to work with Bruce Taylor from Enviro Stewards who has the experience to actually be able to get these things done. It would be great if there was a government organization or if there was some push to build up a, a, a body of knowledge. We tried to get an engineer to help us with the design of this winery, and there really wasn't much available in Ontario. We approached a, an engineer in California, and he said, I'm not sure how much good I can do you. I can design your winery to be earthquake-proof, but I've never had to heat anything. So, you know, it, it didn't necessarily work, work here. Interesting. But one of the things we would like to do, most of the people in the wine business, most of the people in agriculture are actually pretty collegial. So if somebody has a question, if somebody would like information that we've gathered, if they're designing a winery, come and ask somebody who's actually done it. You always worry, oh my God, I don't want to talk to my, they, they look at, at, they're going to look at me as a competitor. If people ask me who my competitors are, and I have some very strong competitors, and then they'll go, oh, the guys down the road? No, my competitors are Coca-Cola, Seagram's, and um, Labatt's. My competitors are not anybody in the wine business, and certainly not anybody in the Ontario wine business. My competitor, what it's I need... Choice. It, it's choice. Um, we used to have pick-your-own-strawberries, and people would say, Oh, you know, is your competitor the uh, the guy down the road? No, my competitor was Cineplex Odeon. In the Saturday morning, should we go and pick strawberries or should we go and see a movie? And if we can work together, the Ontario wine industry, notice I say Ontario, not Canadian. So it has to say VQA to be Ontario. If it doesn't say VQA, it can be a Canadian wine, but not an Ontario. The Ontario wine industry is 7% of the wine sold at the LCBO. And a lot of people, I sit on the board of VQA, a lot of people in the industry go, oh my God, it's terrible. 
um, that only 7% of what is drunk in Ontario is Ontario wine. And my feeling is, what a wonderful opportunity. We've got 93% that we can go and take from from other origins, in addition to all the people that are drinking beer and spirits. So talking about the wine industry, 10, 15 years from now, what changes do you see on the horizon for wine production here locally and and around the globe? Um, People talk about global warming and how much better it's going to be um, for the Ontario industry. And I disagree because we made a mistake 20 years ago talking about global warming. Um, What we should be talking about is climate extremes and climate change. Absolutely. 2014, we had the coldest winter weather that we have ever had in Ontario. We were sustained quite a bit of damage, especially Niagara-on-the-Lake, worse than, than Western Niagara. But of course, we knew that because it was the coldest winter ever, 2015 was going to be better. It was colder. Um, so we're having to replant about 50% of our vineyard. Uh, if you were from southwestern Ontario, which is the warmest place in Ontario, um, they're replacing almost 100% because they actually had a more extreme climate than we do. So climate extremes bode nobody well. What I see, we're finally outgrowing my generation, which goes Ontario wine, it has to be crap. We're getting into the younger generation, which looks at craft beer is a good thing. We are the ultimate craft wine producers. We're the small producers. We're the local producers. With a VQA bottle, a bottle of VQA wine um, returns about $12. I think it's per liter. $12 per liter um, stays in Ontario. And that's excluding taxes. That's just $12 stays in Ontario. A bottle of imported wine leaves about 50 cents in Ontario. And people are starting to recognize that, you know, if I support the Ontario wine industry, if I support VQA, um, I'm supporting 10,000 jobs in Ontario. And even more important, we're supporting the retention of agriculture. Absolutely. If I grow soybeans, my competition is... Uh, Brazil, it's um, Argentina, it's uh, United States. If I'm growing Ontario grapes, I have no competition. And do you see a strong connection to that public trust, to that VQA brand, that you know the consumers believe in it, trust in it? Is that there? They do, though my personal feeling is that we also need to promote the fact that, that the most important thing that VQA stands for is 100% Ontario. Or... 100% BC. Sadly, not a mixture of the two. There's BC VQA, there's Ontario VQA. And I'd love to see it extend across the uh, across the country. There's a burgeoning um, industry starting in Nova Scotia and, and Quebec and New Brunswick. Well, Bill, thank you so much. It has been a real pleasure to speak with you and learn from you today. Uh, to our podcast listeners, uh, you will want to check out some outstanding photos of Bill and Marilyn's winery on our website at provisioncoalition.com. And thanks, everyone. Join us for the next episode where we have a heart-to-heart with Lighthouse Lemonade, who's ensuring their business strategy has a purpose beyond profit. Until then.